Today we are recapping the season two finale, um, and it was a lot. There was a lot going on. It was a little chaotic, so hopefully our recap is less chaotic. So we're going to pick up where we left off in the last episode uh, with CrashCon and everything that went down there. So we started with... uh, the fire, and I really loved seeing Liz and Isabel fight together, like kind of work together to figure things out, and and seeing Isabel use her powers like that was was really cool. Yeah, especially because Liz has only been able to allowed to interact with like three people, and Isabel being one of them. So it was good to sort of bookend the season with more Liz and Isabel. So if CrashCon didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, it was a lot of build up for a weird finish, but. Um, at least we got to see like interactions with characters, which is going to be my biggest complaint about everything this episode. So, <laughs> yeah, it was weird because it was very anticlimactic in a way. Like it took literally two minutes to end what was happening at CrashCon, and literally those two minutes were the minutes that were in the preview for the episode. So it was very weird, um, but it was nice. I love the growth in Isabel and Liz's relationship this season, um, them coming to a point where they're like, go and save yourself. I cannot lose you. You know, that was so good. That was almost like, it was almost like, oh, I ship them now. But it was so good. Um, I loved it. And Isabel was such a badass. Liz was such a badass. I loved it. Well, I think it was, you know, it, one of the things very few of the things that we wanted and when we were talking about episodes before this season aired about what we wanted to see in season two, very few of it actually happened, but Isabel did get a friend. <laughs> she did get a female friend. Um, I think they might've had the most, like some of the most fleshed out interactions the whole season. So at the very least, you know, I, I appreciate that connection. Liz destroyed the console with what looked like curl cream. Like, I was watching it. I was like, is this mayonnaise? Like, what is in this thing? Some vague science thing. Whatever. Yeah. Hand wavy science, just like everything else on the show, which is fine. It's a CW show. I'm not looking for, like, scientific accuracy here. It's fine. No. It was very pretty. It was very pretty. It it may have been, there may have been no point, and it was a lot of buildup, but it was very visually pleasing. So, hey. I wonder what destroying the console means going forward for um the pod squad i'll be interested to see if it comes up next season because it looked pretty destroyed let's see so then we got rosa and max with rosa kind of bargaining for max's life which i found interesting and i know that it all boils down to max is is important to liz and liz is important to rosa but I thought it was um, I thought it was interesting that Rose is the one sitting there begging for Max's life, uh, you know, and kind of responsible, I guess, for saving him again. So after the heart thing, but Rosa is definitely like if if not number one of this whole season, pretty close up there. I mean, 
even if it got a little repetitive with what they were putting her through, like, I'm glad that she was sort of, she was there at least. I mean, they didn't give her a whole lot, but that was, she's like a star. (laughs) And at the end, at the end of season one, when they brought her back, I was like, I don't know that I want Rosa all the time like this, but she's become one of my favorite parts of the whole season. So, so the big thing at CrashCon was the Maine's family showdown. I did not watch the episode live, but I happened to look on Tumblr and saw something and I remember just like lunging for my phone to text Amanda and be like, did this really happen? (laughs) Or is Tumblr just being dramatic? And what's funny is that it's so, it's so indicative of Roswell that I was like, I don't know, Sarah. I don't know. I think it like took me minutes to be like, oh no, he's actually dead. Like I really was like, I don't really know. Maybe not. I can't believe it. Like, I obviously, he needed to die. Um, It's wild to me that Gregory is the one that did it and did it in defense of Alex and Michael. Like, that was amazing. I, you know, kind of, Jesse was such a good villain that I hate to see him go. I know that sounds terrible because he's just bad for Alex all around, but he was just so good at being bad. He really was. And, I mean... It's it's Roswell. It's a show about aliens. We've already brought two people back from the dead. There's no guarantee that Jesse is gone forever. I mean, let's be honest. But it was, for me, at first I was like, I really wish that Alex or Michael had been the one to do the deed. But after, like, as soon as the scene was done, I was like, you know what? This is This is fitting. Because now neither one of them, especially Alex, has the guilt of, I did this. You know, like Gregory gets to carry that for him, which I think is what he wanted. You know, I am glad I, I, I do think guilt is the key here. I mean, I think that both Michael and Alex have internalized so much guilt for other people and other things and other actions that adding even something that probably was fine, like it would have been justified to shoot Jesse. I think the repercussions of that would have wouldn't have been good for either one of them. Um, and then I think I loved, I mean, it was a little heavy handed that Gregory was like, again, for like the fifth time, like I should have stood up for you when we were kids. I mean, that's, you know, a little ham handed, but it was very poetic and beautiful. And he really is like one of the only characters to say something and then follow through with it. So we love Gregory. We do love Gregory. I love that for a second there, it, it did look like it was Alex that shot him. Um, because you didn't see, you know, the the camera was on Michael. Um, and I did love that then he pan out to, to Gregory and you see him. Um, also that, you know, slash of blood on Michael's face is just, ooh, poetic cinema. I loved it. Yeah, I'm gonna miss uh, Trevor and John, but I do think that with the way that Jesse was a villain, he we're go- we're still going to, you know, feel his presence like we did with Noah in a way this season he was there for like two episodes um in flashbacks or whatever but we still felt his presence throughout so I think it's gonna be the same because the trauma is is caused to Michael and Alex and you know his brothers you know Flint is still alive um he still has some kind of legacy of that trauma um so I, I do believe that we're still going to feel him, even if he's not there. I'm, I am going to miss Trevor St. John because he's awesome. He's amazing. So Helena goes back to the house and lets Charlie go. 
And I'm like, Helena's plan was just bad all around. Everything was bad. Like, this is, she's dumb. Like, <laughs> when she's like, when she's like, I didn't want anybody else to get hurt. And then I'm like, why the fuck did you make them build a bomb? Uh, two bombs, mm-hmm. actually. Because she did make them build both of them in order to switch them. So one could hurt all, all the aliens and the other could, could hurt all the mainsmen just to hurt Jesse. And then she wasn't even the one that got to kill him. I feel so bad for him because, <laughs> like, like, all of this dedication and time and then he just right. ended up getting shot and not even by her. Like... She didn't even get any any of the like <laughs> rageful like wom- right. angry woman out. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't even get to do that. I feel so bad. I wish she got to kill him. Like I'm glad that it was Gregory in the way that it was set up, but I really was thinking like poor Helena. <laughs> like whatever. At least he's dead, I guess. <laughs> this section we're we're going to talk about the pod squad a little bit, but really for me it was mostly about Isabel. And kind of this culmination of how far she's come this season. I don't understand. This is my name. Maybe that means that you and Michael's parents weren't the only ones that survived the crash, right? Maybe I had a family too, you know? Maybe maybe my mom was just across town. Max, Max, I wish that you could just focus on the present. You know, I mean, as a recently deceased man, I really feel like you should be enjoying the simple pleasures in life. You know, like reading nerdy books, the smell of leather, and that feeling when you wake up before your alarm and the person you love is still asleep and they're kind of snoring a little bit. It's like the best thing that's ever happened to you. Stuff like that. I want all those things, too. But I feel like if I only know half of myself, I'm only half living. And I know you understand that is because I've watched you this year become your entire self. And it is so beautiful, okay? I am I'm not at all mad at you. Are you kidding me? I am so proud of you. I am, I am so proud that you're my sister. Uh, I loved her, you know, kind of being a detective trying to figure out what the console was and um, which led into this really, I don't want to say something positive about Max, but it was a good conversation between the two of them. No, it was a good one. Um, First of all, loved Max this episode. Let's just start that out. I don't know what's going on, but that Isabella Max conversation is one that... It's it should have happened episodes ago. Like it was so perfect. It's what Isabel needed when she tried to tell Max about the abortion in the first place. And I understand like needing time and and you know it, whenever it ha- regardless of how long it took to happen, I'm glad that it happened. Like they Isabel deserved to hear all of that and Max, you know, we deserve to see that side of Max where, because a lot of times this season we've seen him be like a hothead or acting very strangely. And I think this is what we needed to more to humanize Max a little bit more. It was amazing to see, you know, the callback to the conversation that was in 2010 
um, when he finds out about the abortion and Isabel still being kind of like now, still being kind of like, is this about the abortion? Is this about, you know, us not being siblings, uh, biological siblings? And him being like, no, absolutely not. It's not that, you know? Um, and I did love that he reassured her of that because she needed it. I mean, she spent, you know, the last few episodes with that, um, you know, burden I guess and so that was good it was good to see Max say um that was amazing I mean that was you know acknowledging her finding out about her, her history exploring her sexuality um dealing with her trauma all of that in that one you know small line which was perfect and amazing and encapsulates what you know Isabel's journey was this season it was amazing I loved it Isabel is 100% my favorite character this season. Absolutely agreed. I mean, she has managed to grow and yet retain the parts of her that I loved. Like her little snarkiness, her demanding... I, now, go, don't get me wrong. There are parts of Isabel that I still have a problem with. But that's proof that she's grown, but she hasn't really changed to the point where we don't recognize her. She still sort of bulldozes over everyone around her. That didn't change. But you can see... Just how fiercely she cares about the people around her, especially Max and Michael. Um, and she has been the most consistent, I think, over the whole season where there hasn't really been a whole lot of scenes where I'm like, who is this? This isn't Isabel. This is out of character. Um, and I think that she deserved, again, to hear all of these things because... Even even her sexuality aside, even though I think that's going to be a big part of season three, just her becoming comfortable with who she is after Noah has been something that we've seen so much of, I think. Even if it's just little hints here and there, I'm, I'm super happy with it. I loved the part of their conversation. It just kind of touched my heart where she was describing like love and being in love and having that person. And you could just see that that she's at a point now, I think, where she really wants that, you know, really, not to, not the fake connection that she had with Noah, but, like, having that for real. And so I'm, I'm excited to see that season three, whether it's with a man or a woman or, you know, non-binary life partner. Like, I'm excited for that in season three. And I think that Isabel's finally there, and I'd be okay with her having a love interest next season. I, I really didn't want her to have anything like that this season, and I'm glad she didn't. Well, we definitely we definitely know the next relationship she's in with is with a woman, unless something massively changes. Um, so I'm excited. I think that next season will be good timing for her. It's the only way it would really work. Um, same with Rosa. You know, I, I think it it would it just takes some time. Okay, so uh, we also got a Pod Squad conversation with all three of them that the their scenes together just they've gotten so much better this season i like i i buy their connection this season maybe they just grew that way it's the same way that this symbol just shows up everywhere you know mm. wait when did uh i got it when uh, we weren't sure if you were coming back it didn't feel like it was ever going to be the same again Now, can we all cowboy up and focus, please? Let's feel our feelings after we've solved the mystery of the unknown alien. And I loved, I loved that whole conversation with the three of them. 
Well, they just communicate better than they ever have before. Mm -hmm. And now they seem so comfortable with one another in a way that, you know, that certainly was never there in season one, really. Like a level of understanding. Um, You know, Max and Michael probably still need to talk a lot more, but I think this conversation was was, was showing, like, how much they really do care about one another. I cannot believe that I got teary-eyed when Michael, when he saw, Max saw Michael's tattoo. Because I want to be like, yeah, you guys have shitty, like, matching bro tattoos now. And, like, like sobbing or whatever. Because it was just so sweet. And, like, the look on Max's face. And I was like, I want to, like, cuddle Max. Like, what is wrong with me? Because it was just such a lovely family moment. And then, of course, Isabel. I was so excited just because we actually got to see the tattoo like we didn't get to see it before <laughs> so I was like yeah yeah I forgot about it until he he lifted up his sleeve and I was like oh yeah that happened shitty bro tattoos and then Isabel just smashing their hats on their heads fuck your feelings like cowboy up in focus <laughs> it's so her and it was so like okay boys we've been I've been trying to get you guys to you know be family and be friendly with one another for years. And now you're going to do it right in the middle of when we all might die. So like, maybe can we do this at a better time? The top energy that Isabel exudes. Let's talk about the big discovery at the end of the episode, which is that uh, Max has an evil twin with a giant beard and a Southern accent. (laughs) I've heard evil twin. I've heard dad. I've heard <laughs> clone. I've heard like every like version. I don't care what it is. All I know is when it. So here's a funny story. I watched the episode <laughs> and I stopped before that happened because I was just like, oh, I got to give a million things and I don't really care about what's going on in the cave. And I didn't really see. So then I get everything downloaded and I'm going to watch. And I was like, what the fuck? So I was like two hours behind everyone else. I was like, howdy, partner. Why is no one talking about this dirty caveman who looks like the caveman from the Geico commercials 15 years ago saying howdy, partner, with a southern accent and rotten teeth? Like, what? And fucking note to end your season on. Like, has Nathan never talked to a southerner? That was not a Texas accent. That wasn't a Southern accent. I am so offended that we had this whole gray episode and then it ended with, howdy, partner. Like, I'm so mad. But it's still, at the same time, my favorite thing I've ever seen on the show. And done. Also, how many evil twins are we going to have? Like, we've had so many evil twins. Why so many? And the first one didn't even make any sense and we didn't even need it. I don't know. This is a lot. I know that I texted Amanda because I was live texting her as I watched. And I was like, what the fuck is that? That was so ugly. I generally... It would have been fine had he not talked, I think. It would have been like a recognizing one another. Uh, my biggest feeling about that scene is why are the pod squad always so fucking dumb? Isabel said, uh, well, maybe we should learn more about this situation. And then I, I guess fucking not. I guess we're just going to put our hands on a strange thing and see what happens. Why are they so fucking dumb? Literally. Um, but I guess it makes, you know, it makes the is Max evil question. That makes more sense now. 
because he was just probably remembering the clone. I mean, I, I guess because he was a child when, you know, the crash happened, he's the clone of this weird stowaway or whatever he says he is. Um, but I guess that was what he was remembering. So he had, you know, maybe these jumbled memories and feelings or whatever. And it was just a little weird. Um, it's still weird that that's, you know, the, the first um, Rosa's first, first nightmares and Max saying, you know, don't revive me or whatever. That's still, that's still weird. Um, that still didn't go anywhere. But, you know, it's something. I guess we know now who the devil is. It will be interesting to see where it goes. Let's move on and talk about all of the stuff that happened surrounding Liz and or and Rosa and all of that. Um, I really, 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 really don't want Diego to be evil. I think, and I, and I don't think he necessarily is in this episode. I think that it's more that he's ambitious, maybe is the right word I'm looking for. I don't know. Like he, I think he believes in Liz and I think he's probably like maybe genuinely trying to help her. I just don't want him to be evil. I Well, the only reason I, cause I have to go back and rewatch parts about Diego because I know we've seen him like lurking around and like the camera focusing on his face. And it's been like one of those classic, like, this is the bad guy, like Arrow. But that makes me think that it's really not because A, that's not, I don't know. It's too obvious. It's not. And and we did like the Noah reveal so well. And I just think that that is a little ham handed even for Karina. So I think that that's just one of her favorite things, which is red herrings, apparently. Like, I don't know that he's going to end up being evil. I really, really don't think so. Yeah, I don't want him to know anything about aliens or anything like that. I, I just want him to be on the human side of stuff. Um, I think he, he could be an asshole. He could be a dickhead and an asshole, maybe. And like like you said, like ambitious or maybe a little bit selfish and sort of. But I think that's very different than like, I just don't want him to be like, murderer kidnapper like you know i you know he could because at this point he could be redeemed right like if they were going to bring him back or whatever he could be redeemed he's just sort of like a money hungry dickhead totally fine yeah um i mean he did try to steal liz's research for himself you right. know when he was like oh maybe you don't you want to hire her well we can steal our research um which was shady and I think that that would make sense with maybe part of the reason that Liz never really felt a connection was that maybe he, he was more interested in her brain and her science and like what she could sort of bring to the table in that way rather than herself, like who she actually is. So I think that's part of what we would see. So we get this conversation with Liz and Max, um, which was interesting. Basically what he said was that he understands what Noah was saying last season that they they're stronger when they kill because he felt that so what he's saying is do you still want to be with me even if I could be you know have murderous instincts do you still want to be with me and do you still want me to come with you which is an interesting question you know is do you want to be with someone who has violent tendencies which he does you know normally we've seen Max 
you know, we've met him. It, it will be interesting next season. I don't know how this is going to go with, you know, the situation right now in the States and what Karina is saying. But, um, you know, him being a cop, we've talked about before about him being a cop and exhibiting, you know, violent tendencies. Um, that's always been an interesting, interesting, um, bad, just bad part of him. Um, so, yeah, it just makes sense. I would love to have a larger discussion about what Max represents in like today with what's going on, because I always wondered <clears throat> how Max stands justified it. How they justified Max, they, how they justified a woman of color, specifically a Hispanic woman, being with Max, being with a white cop who has shown tendency to be hot-headed and thinks before he, or acts before he thinks. And those are all very dangerous aspects of actually being a white cop, like, uh, uh, about them. So, like... I've never, that's part of the reason I don't think I could really ever ship Echo. And I've never understood how Max Stans act like that is not real and not reality. Because it is. And it's, and I don't know how you would think about what's going on and then think about Max Evans and not want, and not want to have like a really serious conversation about, he rep, he does represent the kind of cop. I mean, look what happened with Wyatt. Now I'm not saying it's the exact same, obviously, but. No, he's still, I mean, Max from, if you just look at Max as who he is as a cop, as a person, he's just a ton of red flags and it's never really acknowledged. I mean, it, it, they've never really dug into it and why he's this way. And this was a good conversation. I wish it could go. I hope it goes further next season. So Liz is apparently wanting to go to California and work for Generex or whatever it's called. And I did, I don't really ship Echo, but I did kind of get like feelings when they were talking about going to California and Max is like. It sounds like someone finally realizes how valuable your mind is. I think that a change of scenery will be so good for us. I mean, we could get a place by the beach and, and you can write. Uh, you want me to, to come with you? Of course I do. Well, I mean, I, I just told you I have this killer instinct and you want me to come to California with you. We'll figure it out. Okay, we'll figure all of it out together. Run away with me. Make sense? <laughs> Anywhere. Oh, I mean, they, it's a great... I can understand why you would ship them. It's moments like this. Ah, it drives me insane, though, when you're as a Malik shipper to watch Echo get these scenes where it's always the sun behind them and like a halo of light around them. And they're saying these like devastatingly romantic lines. And it's just like, I understand that's very aesthetically pleasing and they're you know they do have good chemistry and so i get that i don't even care you you could not ship either one of them that was a good scene okay so we got a quick kyle and max scene again it's like it's like they're just wanting us to ship them so apparently there's something else wrong with max now i see dying pacemaker heart i'm sure it's that like uh, good lord like either kill him or don't like so I was going to say, is it's going to have something to do with, like, the clone is how he's going to stay alive. But we just did that with Noah's heart. So 
are we going to kill another alien or have another alien's heart put in Max's body? Like, isn't there a limit to how many heart transplants one being can have? I don't know. We'll see. Just kill him and keep the Howdy Partner clone. We just do that. Be hilarious to like have this guy who has a weird Southern accent and like, does Liz, would Liz fall in love with the clone? Follow you anywhere. <laughs> just have him like say all of, all of Max's lines with that weird Southern accent. Okay. So let's, let's talk real quick about one of my favorite parts of the show, which was uh, Max and Jenna. I just, I love them. I love that his mugshot was her wall desktop wallpaper. <laughs> that is, that's something a best friend would do. It's, it's, it's weird that their relationship has turned almost sibling relationship, mm-hmm. like a, like a teasing, like brother, sister one, considering where they were in season one, but it, I love mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm so glad we get to see that. I love it. And uh, their undercover mission Oh, guys, I literally texted Amanda. I was like, bisexual Jenna Cameron writes. Yeah, like women loving women, Jenna confirmed. <laughs> yeah, like that was really, that was a cute scene. Did I, was there a point to it? I'm not even sure. But um, it was, Jenna played it very well. So my, me thinks she's not totally straight. So the whole point of that undercover mission was to figure out what Diego and that chick were interested in Liz for, I guess, like Max crossing boundaries again. And that leads to them finding out that Diego is going to go try to steal her research. So, of course, Max's decision is that he's just going to burn it all down, burn down a year of her work without talking to her, without warning her, just... And, you know, I, I know they showed originally that he was kind of like boxing stuff up and trying to take the research. But, you know, you know that as soon as he got that opportunity to just burn it all down, he never thought twice. They were building up to that. You know, they were building up to that. Um, I guess his reasoning was that there was just too much of it, didn't have time. Um, and I know that he said later, you know, when he talks with it about it with Liz, that he said that... I've been asking you for weeks to clear out that lab, okay? I knew it wasn't safe. Alex installed a military-grade security system. A system designed by Generex, okay? Diego could have hacked it. He could already know everything. And his nefarious plan is to what? Set us up with a condo in L.A.? Give my family a second chance? Okay, I have a family to protect, too. Yes, and you could have stopped Diego without destroying a year of my work. I had to act fast. So your first instinct was to go with the one method that would break my heart. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking about your heart when I'm staring at jars with Noah's liver and his brain. I mean, what else did you harvest from us, Liz? Those are just cells. (sighs) I I wasn't hurting anyone. It didn't matter that, you know, Alex had installed the security system because it was a system by the the same company um, that Diego works for, which doesn't necessarily mean that he can hack it. I mean, you're dumb. I mean, it was, I guess it was easy for Liz to change it so that Kyle couldn't get in. So I don't know, maybe Alex explained it to them, but I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. It was rude. Um, I understand why he's worried. Um, it doesn't make it okay. I can understand both of their, their views. You still gives you no right to do that, like at all. Like there were other ways this could have happened. 
the violation that this was of Liz's personal research that I know Max has problems with, and rightfully so. Like, I'm not discounting that at all. But that this, again, this is so indicative of Max that this was his go-to angry response is destruction and violence. And, like, that is, that's what bothers me. Which is fair. I mean, I, I like you said, I totally understand why Max wanted to destroy her research. It is dangerous. It is putting him and his family in danger and it puts him in an awkward position with Liz. I get it. But Max's violent tendencies have played out once again. And Liz is the one who suffers. It's a choice to have Max be violent once again. I don't know what you thought love was going to be like when we were 17. But it isn't just sunsets and horseback rides. You can't put this all on me. Okay, you were sneaking around behind my back. I apologized. I stopped. Max, you died this year. I was all alone because of a choice you made. But still, every single thing I did was for you and about you and and, and with you. So when you were back, when, when I could finally touch you, when I could finally breathe, I needed to take just one moment to remember where I end and where you begin. To just be whole in who I am. I am a scientist. I am, I am fighting for something that is bigger than me. I am trying to leave this world a better place. And I am in love with you. And right now, I hate it. Well, and it just, it shows how, if you wanted to hurt Liz, this is how you would do it the most. Mm -hmm. In terms of, not maybe not in her personal life, but like, this was, it felt more personal and like intentional. I don't know. I, 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 if this happened between, in my ship, I don't know that I could forgive the other half. I don't know. That, it was, that was a wild choice. And I guess they're broken up. So, and I love, Janine's just amazing in every scene. And to go from that really soft, happy kind of echo moment to her just full of this like righteous anger was so good. And (coughs) I'm glad that, I'm glad she called him out. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Um, Like we just said, we're all, you know, um, pissed at at Max's choice. So, and we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be bothered by it. You know, the show doesn't set it up as like, you, you're supposed to think it's right. Um, but then what I loved about the fight is that it's such, for me, I don't even, you know, they're not my OTP or anything, but that was such good shipping content. Um, like just seeing them be like, they're both right. You know, Max is right in fearing for his family. Liz is right in wanting, you know, her research to be recognized and, you know, not wanting her work to be discarded and destroyed, you know, and her life's work, actually, because, yes, it was about the alien research, but it was also about the regenerative medicine research that that she'd done before. So that was connected. So he destroyed a lot of her life's work. They're both right and they both don't understand the other's point of view. And that's such good 
shipping content and you know character content and to see you know i'm excited to see where they go in season three and how they resolve that um and you know if they if they are able to you know come to terms with being so i guess we can uh talk that kind of feeds into liz has left roswell again at the end of the episode um i they keep kind of coming back to this whole thing that liz has a tendency to run and now she's run again and so i'm interested to see how that's going to play out in season three i think you're right that she's i mean she has to come back they can't keep her separate from all the other characters for too long um but i hope that it's addressed that liz just keeps leaving is it running to want to do something with your career is it running to see an opportunity where someone's going to give you a lot of grant money to do something that you really want to do is that is that running away i don't think that that's running away that's not running away but i think that it's not the only reason that liz left right but i mean it is the reason she left obviously there's other aspects but like i guess i want and it's an interesting line to tread where a female leaving to go do something with her career is sort of considered running away in, in a way that I don't know that if it was a male character, we would talk about it in the same way. I just think that's very interesting. I just, it's, it's no, I'm sorry. It's just, it's the scene where she's sitting in the car waiting for Max to kind of show up and come with her. I'm assuming, um, you know, Liz has a, to me, Liz has a tendency to push people away and, and leave when she's hurt. And so, no, I don't think that it's the main reason that she left. I think the main reason that she left is for her career and to get somewhere with the research that she's now had to start over, I'm assuming. But I, th- I think it's definitely a factor in the fact that she that she tends to leave when things get hard. I think that's a, a reason. Okay. I mean, yeah, no, I just, I disagree a little bit in terms of, because both times, I mean, I definitely think that there's multiple aspects of why she leaves when she does. But I think that at the heart of it, the most important thing to Liz other than her family is her career in both the times that she's left Roswell. And I think that that is very important. And I, I hate the idea of her having to leave research to come, come back again. Obviously she will. And we need her to narratively, but it's just, it's, it's just such an interesting relationship like with her and her career. I do think, you know, it's an interesting parallel or not parallel, you know, contrast actually with, you know, her leaving after high school, um, which was the same, you know, it was about, you know, studies then, but ultimately about her career. But that was actually, you know, running away in her own words. I mean, she was, she wasn't ready to confront the fact that Rosa was gone, you know, that it was about Rosa's death and, you know, her not being able to deal with it. Um, and I do like that now, you know, it's not, ju- it's not just about Max. We know that it's not just going to be, you know, her coming back. Not, it's not now just going to be about Max because she does have those connections. And she has Rosa and she has her dad. She has Isabel and Michael and Maria and Alex. She has all of those connections now. Um, and we've seen most of those, not all of them, but most of those relationships. Um, so I love that it's not just about the ship now I mean obviously that's a big part of it that's going to be a that's going to play a big part of season three but I do I do love that she leaves knowing that she has people to come back to um and she I think she leaves with the with the knowledge that Roswell is home now 
So before we move on, um, I do we we have talked multiple times about the consent issues on this show. And so Liz apparently like snuck into Steph's room and injected her with something while she was asleep and like didn't tell anybody and didn't ask. And it's just Kyle's just okay with it. Like, oh, Lord, Lord. I mean, I understand. I mean, I did like the Kyle and Liz scene where he's like, um, you know, it was unethical and then he hugs her. Um, I did kind of like it. I understand it. If anybody sneaks into my hospital room and injects me with something and didn't talk to me about it first, I want you guys to burn down the earth to get back at that by absolute pure body violation. No, I un- I understand that. I understand. I also understand Kyle's feelings over the matter. I I, I mean I understand Kyle's because he's a sweet guy, but I do think that instant forgiveness is exactly the issue, right? Like. We have all these consent issues and people immediately forgive them or it's never brought up again. Like, that's not okay. I don't. And this is the harshest thing I've ever said about Liz. She didn't deserve forgiveness at that moment. And I hope to God that comes up again because holy shit, what a bad choice. All right. Uh, so let's talk really quickly about the Kylex scene we had towards the end of the episode at the bar uh, where they talk about redemption and and Alex, you know, is kind of still on this, you know, uh, people can be good at their core kind of thing. And and the fact he brings up Kyle's redemption as like proof. Flint should be OK. He'll live to become the new Jesse Maines. No, he won't. Mm. I'm not going to let it happen after everything. You still believe in redemption? Well, I have a pretty good example of it right in front of me. I really do love their scenes, and they didn't get a whole lot together this season. Um, so I love that. That was kind of like, that was like the first after the pilot, the, the premiere or, or whatever. Um, I think so. Um, that was really, really sweet, actually. I mean, I love that Alex still has this dynamic with Kylan, still kind of like, do I like you? Are you my friend? Hmm, I don't know. I'm not going to treat you like I treat my other friends, you know, but um, we are absolutely friends. Um, I do like that. I do like that Alex still has this hope. It's a defining characteristic for him. I do like that he didn't lose it. Um, I do kind of like that he believes that his brother even can have some kind of redemption. And I do think I mean, we're probably going to see that for Flint. Um, I, I mean, it was great. Fine. I don't really have an emotional connection with Kylex, but I mean, you know, I'm all for more friendships. Um, but it, to me, it's indicative of a larger problem that, um, I have been raging about with like three different people today, like messages, um, because a, we didn't see them together a whole lot, which is exactly what happens with friendships on this show. Right. So you're trying to build the foundation for something with never showing us and really never having them interact. And it's not just Kyle and Alex. It's Maria and Alex. It's Maria and Liz. It's, you know, all these combinations. Like I was talking to um, Faceless Frey, Jenny on Tumblr, and she said, like, Kyle didn't even stay for the song. Like what it would it, it would have taken nothing to have Kyle also sitting in the audience and other and like the whole cast sort of being in the audience for Alex's song as sort of the way to 
in cap this the episode right in the season like that's very common in shows to have them all together in a room watching something right and they didn't even have that part like you couldn't even do this minor thing that would create an um a, a deeper aspect to kyle and alex and like that's the kind of thing that we need right that we've said a million times that you have to foster these friendships to make me care and it was just one tiny thing having kyle just sit at the bar and I think that it was that. And I, the scene is fine. I mean, yes, Kyle is a good example of redemption. Hell yes. But like, again, it's just not enough. It's not, you know, I needed just a little bit more um, from these friendships. And I think that was a perfect example. I agree. I mean, if we can use this to kind of ease into Maria's part of the episode, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think Maria is the best example for that this season um we are continuously told that you know she's liz's best friend she was rosa's best friend we never saw her with rosa except for when she finds out about rosa and at CrashCon, that was the only moment and they keep telling us and we barely saw her even with alex and most of that stuff was enraging. We never actually saw, we rarely saw her with Liz this season. I really miss Maria and Liz this season. I think I felt, I felt it with Maria more because that was a big part of her last season, which, you know, she didn't have, really have her own plot. She kind of did get her own plot this time around, but she kind of lost the relationship in the process. You know, she had, you know, obviously Michael um, and kind of Alex and Isabel, weirdly. But that wasn't really a lot. So, yeah. So that's a good segue into talking about the My Luca scenes. Maria <clears throat> taking the bracelet back off again. Uh, I'm interested to see how that will play out in season three. You know, her just being like... Oh, whatever. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see if my brain melts. Like, okay. <clears throat> Mimi's vision with the box and... This breakup is the wildest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I was just sitting there like, why am I, why am I a Malik shipper, so angry at this Maluka breakup? And it's because it doesn't make any sense. How are you doing? Maria, that prevents brain damage. I'm only part alien, but it is a part of me. Even if it's dangerous, I can't just turn off a piece of myself. So I'm supposed to sit around helpless as you fade away? Maria, I cannot watch you disappear. I love you. I love you too. So can we just let this go? You have it wrong. Mimi hasn't disappeared. Yes, she can be inconvenient. She can make people uncomfortable, but maybe she's supposed to be an uncomfortable inconvenience that saves lives. Now I need to be inconvenient, and I don't want to be someone that hurts you. I think that we should find out what's next, apart from each other. Wait, so you think that if, if we break up, <laughs> I'm going to be able to stop caring about you. I learned so much being with you. You sacrificed yourself without hesitation when Alex needed you. I would have done the same for you. I know. I don't doubt your capacity for love because you made me so happy. 
<laughs> this year, and I loved being someone that made you happy. I just think that we should leave it be. Before I wonder if someone else could make you happier. It, we've had no, I mean, there was the love confession, totally, whatever. I love you. They're both saying it. Sure, whatever. <clears throat> but then I never really understood why they were breaking up in the first place. Because, A, we never saw them really fight about any of this stuff. It was never an issue. We never saw any tension between them. Maria was just hanging off of his arm the last two episodes we saw him together. And then that line at the end where she's talking about him being happier with someone else. Again, we haven't even seen all three of them together really, really interacting since the threesome. So where did that come from? This just came out of nowhere. If I were a My Luca shipper, I'd be pissed the fuck off. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of, I'm you know, I'm sad for My Luca shippers that got the, the love confession and the breakup in the same fucking scene. You know, I'm so sorry for them. I don't think any of them still listen to this podcast. Um, if you do, you're amazing. Um, um, but I, I actually love that scene. It's probably my favorite scene of them all season. But in the context of the season, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it was completely out of the blue. Um, I know we don't really do, you know, word of God or whatever. But there was a, you know, I read a an interview with Karina was like that both Vlamis and Ether were like, wait, what? Why? And I, I totally understand that. It doesn't make any sense. Um, the scene itself was beautiful. Like, I loved how they acted it, the things they said. You know, it, it, in isolation, that scene is gorgeous. Like, what a good way to break up, I guess. Like, uh, we love each other. We're probably not each other's, like end all be all love of each other's lives it's okay to just be sort of just love that's you know whatever what a, what a good way to break up but again it's just like of course Lamus and Heather were confused I'm confused I have you put of you if you edited and watched all the Maluka scenes this entire season that breakup doesn't fit in anywhere none of it none of it was it was anywhere and that is the problem right like if there's just no build-up Especially, especially with him, them being so, you know, still being so kind of lovey-dovey after Michael comes back, you know, in the last episode. You're like, you easily couldn't, could have had that differently and shown them Maria, you know, if Maria was actually worried or, you know, one of her worries and reasons for her to break up with Michael is that she knows that probably someone else, Alex, will make him happier someday. And she knows that. And she has been knowing that. You know, she has known that for a long time. And that's obviously in the way they, that the threesome, um, you know, the morning and after scene was acted, that was obviously on our mind since then. So then why are they all lovey-dovey at CrashCon? Like, you could have easily made that not problematic but like you know maria having that reasoning well well i mean that's the thing like there was nothing that's why that line made no sense about you would do whatever whatever the line was like you know saving alex without any hesitation or whatever the line was and it's like how would you know we didn't see you see michael go feral we didn't see you all we saw was him waltzing into a bar being like, yo, y'all, what's up? Let's go to a festival or whatever. Like, I mean, it just, so, I mean, again, it's all of these things that like, again, faceless Frey Jenny on Tumblr, she 
said something that I think is very important. And she said she thinks Karina basically writes like we're in her head or we can see things that she sees and that she, so she doesn't like fill out these details because it's like some of those like, well, how, how do you not know this? How do you not know that this is what I mean? And it's we're not in your head. We're not in Karina's head. We don't know what's going on. You have to you have to lay it out. And r- right. And like there are some things it's always the same it comes back always to show don't tell and like there are some things that you can read between the lines and you can ask your audience to read between the lines not such big that you know big things as this um but you know to come back to the breakup itself i guess um, I did, in a similar way to Echo, I did like Maria's reasoning for it. Um, I did like that it wasn't specifically about the love triangle. Um, and that she w- it was more about, you know, Michael, you know, obviously Michael has, you know, abandonment issues. Maria knows that he has his reasoning for, you know, wanting her to wear the bracelet or whatever. And they, they're opposed in that you know they don't really see each other's I mean they do see each other's point but they just don't agree on it um and I do you know I do agree on the fact that they realize that they love each other and that's fine that was you know I think what there was a beautiful moment to ha- for him for them to have say that and and to say you know we love each other we care about each other but it's better to break it off now when you know you we're not that deep in that we're you know absolutely destroyed by it you know it hurt it hurts i don't i hate to i hate to say this because i do think that they care about each other i don't buy that they're in love i just don't buy it because we didn't see it oh i don't no no and i don't think that's what they're implying they're not in love they said i love you but i don't but i don't think that we're supposed i think that's the whole point right we're not supposed to believe that they're in love with one another i i never doubt for a second that they love one another but i don't think i mean i'm sure shippers would disagree but i don't think that what we've seen or what it was leading up to is that they are in love and i think that that is the key behind that line of there's somebody else that could make you happier before i wonder if someone else can make you happier i think i feel like i interpreted that as maria saying like kind of acknowledging that they have made each other happy and they love one another, but they aren't in love. Right. And I do have to say that uh, very quickly. I am excited to see their dynamic going forward because as I said, I didn't, I never shipped them romantically, but I, I always really enjoyed their dynamic in season one um, as friends. So um, I don't know if it's going to be a little, you know, awkward after they broke up. Um, if we do have the time jump, probably that's going to be, you know, gloss over um i am excited to see them possibly be friends because maria now is possibly one of michael's best friends i mean she she knows stuff about him they have you know they have a connection um so i'm excited to see that and i do believe that their relationship as little as you saw of it um as a, as much as was implied about it um you know conversation that weren't shown and all of that I do believe that it was an important relationship for Michael to have. You know, the fact that, as we'll talk about later, he is now so self-aware about his feelings about, you know, his feelings for Alex. He needed to have that relationship with someone else to get to that point. So I do like where it left 
both of them as characters. Even if we didn't see, you know, it's maddening, it's enraging that we see, we didn't see a lot of it. Of course, we're going to end the episode talking about Malik's. We get the the shed scene, a new shed scene, and I, I'm really glad that they had this moment of destroying the shed and kind of talking about their trauma around it. Michael gripping the hammer that fucked up his hand and using it to fuck up the shed. And it was wonderful. I loved everything about that scene. Um, I think that, you know, obviously it was very like cathartic and I loved that they did it together. And I loved that it clearly took some time. Like the sun had already set by the time, you know, they sort of got to the ending point or whatever, found the skeletons. Um, and I loved Alex's smile at the end. Like, it was clearly something that they both needed more than they needed to have another conversation. Like, they had that sort of brief conversation. But I think at that point, I think at this point in the season, they've talked it to death. Could it have been better talking? Maybe. But they've talked it to death. And so this is exactly what needed to be done like they didn't have to talk to one another they could just sort of destroy this part and you know i and there's no better way for for me personally for the season to have ended or for to represent sort of a new chapter in alex's life that's more important than him kissing Forrest in a bar full of people to me like um because i think that this is the moment not only is jesse dead they're sort of destroying this shed but he really i mean i'm sure that he felt like 10 years younger and like a hundred pounds lighter after it got done. And I think you can see that on his face. So I'm super, I'm super happy. Yeah. And for both of them, I mean, and we've discussed this account, you know, countless time before they, they, this is something that, you know, physically represent their, their shared history of trauma and to see them do that together, you know, it's not just one of them doing it. It's both of them doing it together and Michael prompting it. Um, I love that. I love that. I got very emotional during that scene. More than I got emotional during the song, actually. I loved it. So uh, we found actual skeletons under the shed. Literal skeletons. (laughs) Literal skeletons. So Trip is who's under the shed is what they're assuming, right? But because his dog tags and whatever were there. But we saw Trip as an old man. But then why is he wearing his uniform from the 40s? Maybe he just wore it. <laughs> no, we're not hand-waving right. this. <laughs> no, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, no. There's suspension of belief, and then there's major fucking plot hole. <laughs> no, there's no moving past that. Absolutely not. Are you telling me he put on the outfit and then Harlan murdered him? Like, no, absolutely not. Did Harlan put him in that after he murdered him? Like, this is getting into some weird psycho shit. I mean, Demay's family is fucking weird. He genuinely could have murdered him and then put him in the old uniform. They find the key to the box and it's got a journal in it written by Trip, kind of telling the story of him and Nora. And I hope this isn't the end of the flashbacks because I would I would like to see them a little more next season. I finally like really care about Trip and Nora. So of course they had they had to have Alex and Michael reading the journal together. His story starts the night of the UFO crash. 
I couldn't hurt her. She was from another galaxy, and yet, somehow, she was as familiar as my own reflection. It took a few weeks to find her, but I was drawn back to the long form. Please, don't be afraid. I'm not here to hurt you. You must know that. The same way I know you aren't here to hurt me. It's warmer, closer to the fire. It was as if we were built from the same star. Drawn together by something cosmic. And I like that Isabel was there too. I love that Isabel was there. She was amazing. She was just like, hey, Michael, go on, go on. And, they, and Michael and Alex were just like yelling in their heads. They're like, oh, fuck. This is, you know, cross-generational soulmates bond. And Isabel is just like, I want another gossip. I loved it. And I love that Michael's like, um, this journal did, he was talking very sexually about my mother. I don't want to continue. And Isabel's like, I don't care. I have no boundaries when it comes to sex. So you can't either. I was like, okay, that's very Isabel. Um, I think that the Nora and Trip stuff is phenomenal. Like I loved it. It was a very, you know, obviously, like I've said a million times, did I want more? Yes. But this episode was, you know, was definitely a good one. Not only for the connection with Malik's, but the they just really work really well together, like as as actors. That was really really beautiful. Um, and just like it was like a little mini, like movie going on in the episode that I, got me like very emotional. It was I was very sad <laughs> because especially knowing how Nora died, and then knowing how Trip apparently died, whatever. Um, it's just so, it's, it, it, it's so very tragic. <laughs> you know, um, I was just gonna say that, you know, especially knowing, you know, they, they've had this months of connection and, you know, you know that he wasn't able to save her in the end. Um, that was very, you know, it's heartbreaking. Um, I'm very glad that they didn't get to have a family together because otherwise Michael and Alex will be related in some way. But anyway... Or, you know, kind of related. You know, it, it would be a weird situation like Isabel and Maria being related. It would be weird. Anyway. That would be less related than that, but more uh, related enough that I would feel uncomfortable. So, correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I did like that, you know, line of being like, if I ever wanted to have a family, I would have had it with you. Um, and I got very emotional with that because I thought of Michael saying that when he was a kid, he thought he was going to have a family um, and kids someday. And that was, you know, it was implied that it was because he, he had that relationship with Alex. Um, so I got very emotional over that. Um, I just love, I love the parallels. I love that the, they had Michael and Alex, you know, that cosmic word. And we were like, oh, shit. Also, soulmates, Malik's confirmed. And I love that line that preceded it in the journal about, like, they were, um, oh, shit, now I should have looked at it, but they're basically built from the same star or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's so good. That's so perfect because that's exactly what it is. And it's just so, I am thrilled that Nora got to see Michael with Alex. And I'm, like, especially because she asked Trip, you know, or said to Trip that basically there'll be a mains who he can trust with Michael and like their secret. And then of course she got to see them together and I just can't. 
We finally get the long-awaited song that Alex wrote for Michael. There are some little things that I would have changed about that scene, but on the whole, I think it's such a big moment for Alex. And we can talk about, you know, Alex and Forrest and what that means for Alex and great, whatever. But I mean, he just sings that song to Michael and Michael watching him and realize Michael realizing during that song that they're not that this isn't their time. And he just kind of gives this little like head nod. Right. Well, I mean, and he's not even singing it to Michael. He didn't even know Michael was going to be there. That look of surprise when Michael walks in. This is what I love about all of it is that he wasn't even singing it to Michael. He was singing it for himself. I mean, he was like getting up. And like really embracing that the showing how scared he was to get up in front of this crowd of people and go back to this music that he really hadn't had a chance to ever go back to. Like he finally felt brave enough. Jesse was gone. He'd gone through this catharsis and he just got up there and sang a very personal, beautiful song, obviously written about Michael. We're not, you know, duh. Um, and Michael walking in was perfect and he looked very happy to see Michael. But I do believe that the way it was showing was that he didn't even know he was going to be there, um, which I think is even better, which I think is perfect. Like he like was just truly getting it out no matter who was around or what was happening. And I, th- I really appreciated that. Um, and he also looks heartbroken when, when Michael leaves. See, I didn't see that at all. Like, people kept saying that. I mean, he kind of, he does look upset. He does, you, heartbroken is a big word. I don't know that he necessarily looked sad. I think he looked maybe, maybe resigned. But not, not in necessarily a bad way. But just kind of like, this isn't, like I, like I said, this isn't our time. I think maybe that was. I don't think so. I, I would, I would disagree. I would. I would actually disagree. I would. I when I re when I rewatched it before we started this, I don't think so. I at least for me personally, I think it was a more. I don't think he looked upset at all. I think he looked very into the song, and I think that they had an entire conversation, making eye contact, and the song was part of that. And I don't think he looked upset at all. I think he, if if anyone would understand at this point in time, I think Alex would. Why he would leave? For me, it was like, I mean. Do I hate that Michael left before hearing the whole thing? Yes. Do I wish he didn't make a decision for both of them? Yes. Do I not want to see another love triangle? Yes, I don't want to see that. I don't care. I mean, I don't think... I think Karina's already said that Forrest is not going to be that big of a deal for Alex. Four seconds after he sang a song about how much he loves Michael, he kissed Forrest. I don't give a shit. Like, it's not a love triangle. Because he literally, in the present tense, basically just said, I love you. I'm not looking away. If I do these things, would you come home? And then he hops off stage and was like, man, it was a long time ago. Come here and give me a kiss. And I was like, okay, well, was it? Because it was four seconds ago. And I do genuinely believe that if Michael had stayed, Alex wouldn't have kissed Forrest. You know, it, it, it wouldn't have been like, he would have gone and kissed Michael in front of everyone, but like he wouldn't have made that step, you know? Right. And I think it was good. I'm glad Michael left. I'm apparently like the only person, like I really do think, you know, I get the why you would want him to stay. Cause of course you want him to hear the whole song, you know? And I don't want him making choices for Alex, but at this point in time, I think it's more of like a, he's seen Alex go through these cathartic things, not only like demoing, oh, Jesse dying, bringing down the shed, being up there singing this song. 
I think Michael, for better or for worse, just still thinks of himself as being part of that history that Alex is letting go. And I think he just doesn't want to do anything to to destroy that part of Alex anymore or to, to bring him backwards. Like, I think he's very much... I do think that this was the best... This is exactly what I wanted. Michael leaving makes sense to me for who he is and for who they are. And I do think it's important that Alex kissed Forrest. I don't, I don't necessarily think you need to kiss in public to be out or to be comfortable, like I've said before in another episode. But, you know, if that's how they want to go, then I'm glad that that's fine. And it means it didn't bother me as much as like the Michael and Maria kiss of season one, because he again, he just sang a song about Michael. Also, also, we didn't have Michael look all sad and waiting for Alex in front of the airstream like we did in scene one. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it was a, a choice. It was a choice to go off and be alone. We Exactly. I love that we got Michael's reasoning. I love, like I said before, I love Michael's self-awareness or of where his feelings for Alex are at the moment. I love that he finally got to the point of like, we will be together someday. It's not our time now, but it will be, you know. Um, I, I do love that he says to Isabel, you know, when Isabel says it will be, that he says, I think so. Um, because just in episode two or six, they said, you know, I really thought that we we were going to be together. And they don't, don't have that, you know, belief in that moment. And they, I think they both do now, you know, between the song and what, what Michael says. So it, it's a very hopeful note to end the season with. And I'm excited to see where they go in season three. Um, do you think it's all, you know, it's going to be a lighter dynamic? Um, less heartbreaking conversations. It's got to be. I mean, we couldn't do another season of the same. And at that point, if we kept having the same seasons like we did in season two, it would just feel like we were 100% moving backwards. And it was just, it would. I would be so angry. Um, and I, so I do think it would make more sense for Alex to explore, you know, being with Forrest and what that means and becoming comfortable himself and, you know, playing music more. And then Michael, you know, doing whatever Michael's going to do. Who knows? I just want Michael to be single and just explore, like, kind of like Isabel did this season. Like, kind of really deal with your own issues, Michael. You know, with support of everyone else, but, like, kind of focus on yourself a little bit. And then move towards a relationship. Right. I completely agree. Um, and I think that it would... I, I, again, like I said, I'm this is the best possible outcome that we really could have gotten because it could have gone so much worse. But I think Michael, especially him not having his bandage on in the, in the bar and not having it at the end of the episode. <clears throat> now, granted, I wish, again, that was something that we'd seen because I think that would have been another like cathartic moment. But the fact that he doesn't have it on that you can see it often felt, has felt like there hasn't been a whole lot of Malik's progress this season been sort of the same thing over and over again but this did finally feel like the needle was being pushed and going like they're actually they're actually starting to move past some of the things that happened to them okay that is our recap of the season finale uh going forward we're going to go back to our old format of monthly episodes and we'll have the theme for the first couple out soon uh also by the end of this week we will have all of the transcripts for all of the season two episodes up. So we apologize for the delay on those. And um, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, 
And we're also at Not That Complicated. We will see you guys next month.